Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Cork TD took to his feet in the Dáil yesterday to share his first-hand account of how maternity restrictions during the pandemic affected him and his partner. In a speech which was at times emotional, Donica O'Leara spoke about how he was unable to be by his partner Emer's side during an emergency appointment. Let's have a listen to what he said. Minister, just before Christmas, my partner Emer had an emergency appointment with the early pregnancy unit because she was bleeding. I waited outside by the car park, looking up at the early pregnancy unit waiting room window, as close as I could get. Now I'm glad to say everything was okay, but we, I tell you, Minister, we were worried. And if it was not, Emer would have had to face that appointment alone. She would have got that bad news alone. Earth-shattering, devastating news alone. And Minister, that's still the same today. If a couple in that situation went to any hospital worried about the same thing, today, tomorrow, next week, the partner would stay outside the hospital door. That is an outrage. Whatever about a year ago, Minister, hospital staff are vaccinated. Increasingly pregnant women are vaccinated. And many partners will be before long, too. And that's welcome. Partners and expected mothers are almost always, not always, but almost always, coming from the same household, presenting the same COVID risk. There is no justification. Women in labour need support. Full stop. The WHO said so. The CMO said so. When a woman has been through all that, God knows how many hours the labour might have been. And when they need to rest and recuperate, the partner that can help them do that, even allow little things like a shower, little things like that, a rest, has to leave, has to go out the door. You need to stop dragging your heels on this, Minister, and force action, and stop presenting these minimal changes as enough. Women need their partners during all of labour, after birth, and at key appointments. Partners are not visitors, Minister, they're essential support. And Deputy O'Leary joins me now. Dodica, good morning to you. Good morning, Fiona. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Uh, Donica, it was obviously a, quite a traumatic experience. And I remember looking at the photograph of the time of you standing out in the car park. Uh, what prompted you to, to give this speech yesterday in the Dáil? Yeah, look, I suppose this is something I've been raising for, for a long time. I think I first raised it in September of last year. And I, you know, and that was before Emo was pregnant. And, you know, I have been raising it reasonably regularly since then. But more recently, I decided that we would tell our story um, because I just felt that it wasn't, you know, if there was anything I could do. And to some extent, I, uh, you know, I hesitated maybe about making it about me because, look, I'm not any more entitled and Emer isn't any more entitled than anyone else. But I did feel that if um, telling our story of what we had experienced helped the momentum to try and um, to try and ensure that partners did have access to their uh, to this that women did have access to their partner mm-hmm. that they did have that support then then that I should do that uh, if that helped and if that helped keep up the momentum because look 
we're in a context now where the reopening society is almost two months in, and that's welcome. I think that's a really good thing. I'm really glad there's an all, another uh, range of businesses opening on Monday and then next month again. But at the same time, like you can you can go to a museum, you can go to a shopping center uh, for Monday. You'll be able to go for a meal outside. All these things that are you know valuable, and I welcome them. But you know, a woman has to go through parts of labour still on her own, uh, and that's against the advice of an awful lot of um, important organisations, the World Health Organisation, you know, the Chief Medical Officer, and even the Taoiseach himself has said that there's no need for this, but the mm-hmm. government haven't haven't pushed this agenda enough, I don't think. And it has meant, like I do accept that, you know, at various stages there was a need for restrictions, but I think an awful lot of women and their partners have had to suffer these restrictions unnecessarily. And certainly, I suppose, my experience... You know, as I say, it's the same as so many other uh, men and women and Emer's experience is the same as so many others as well. Um, But... And I don't know, on this show, um, you know, we have spoken to so many women who have had to go through all of those experiences by themselves and they've spoken about the trauma and the worry and the stress. But it must be equally as stressful for the partner to be outside waiting for a phone call and, as you know, in your case, looking up at the window waiting for information. And to even, I mean, like dads nowadays just want to be so much a part of the whole experience. They want to be there for the scans in many cases. They want to be there for the entire labour so that they can help their partner and be there for for their their child as well. Oh, definitely, Fiona. And like I've spoken to an awful lot of um, to an awful lot of people who you know have missed um, you know big parts of the labour and they've missed being there for a while after the birth to support their partner. And I come across stories of people who would have got bad news alone. And you know when. Whatever about restrictions, a time when the cases were high and when restrictions were going up, like I do understand that. I do understand that the hospitals had to be careful and that there was a clinical risk to be managed. But at different stages, like I mean, last autumn, uh, last Christmas, and now when restrictions are being lifted, I don't know how that can be justified, especially now when vaccination is so widespread, to say that there are women that have to wait until their labour is what they're calling active and strong labour. Like, I mean, you know, like the start of labour, in, induction, like these are not easy things to go through. And having a partner there, like, you know, I was looking at the, the, the Ireland South Hospital Group website that provides the guidelines for, for the hospitals here in Cork, Kerry and some of the surrounding counties. And, you know, it's talking about that, you know, our partners be asked kindly to leave after after birth. But the same website has a link to the to the Royal College of Midwives talking about um you know that they believe that they it is it is proven that it makes childbirth birth safer and it's in the interest of the welfare of the mother that the partner be there. And look I want to be there for Emer. I, I know that an awful lot of other men and women want to be there for their partners too. Um and you know it is I, I like I, I suppose you know, it is important for the partner, but it's more important for the mother. It is, you know, it's, it's, and I, that is for me where the focus is primarily. The other element of it is important, but, you know, this is about support. This is clinically beneficial. This is, you know, the emotional support, the practical support. It makes a huge difference. And, uh, you know, I think it is, it is really, really important. It's, it's not just, um, 
it's not just that that it's a nice thing to to experience together or you know obviously in many circumstances it's traumatic but it's necessary and the WHO believes that it's necessary and an awful lot of our health services around the world believes that it's necessary the NHS even in the north you know at the minute you know all appointments a partner can be there and um, you know after birth the partner can be there for the duration of labour for all of it um, a partner can be there like it's not the same as visitors and I understand restrictions on visitors too but mm. a partner during birth and a partner at key appointments where you could get bad news that's not a visitor that's essential support as far as I'm concerned I want to be that for Emer, and I know many others want to be for their partners too and do you think that those maternity restrictions should be lifted right across the board or should they be in line with figures in each area? Like, you know, if the figures are high in an area that they can bring the restrictions in then? Or, or do you think that they should be just lifted right across? I think right across because I don't think the numbers anywhere in the country are enough to justify this given how important it is and given how, you know, society is reopening across the state. I'm not somebody who believes that, you know, you know, it can never be justified in very extreme circumstances, but we're like you know, like as we had maybe just after Christmas when the when the cases rose to astronomical level, and you had to manage that. Now within that, I think you know there has to be a balancing of all that too, and I think that you know you need to be facilitating support where it's where it's very necessary. But there's probably a balancing there, but we're not at that stage now. You know, hospital staff are vaccinated. Um, an awful lot of pregnant women are vaccinated too and increasingly the, the, the partners are going to be vaccinated. So whatever about 12 months ago, like there is, you know, when we were in a very difficult situation, I acknowledge that and I acknowledge, like, look, the staff and the CMH, I've always found to be excellent and I have no fault in relation to the, to the nurses and midwives and staff um, and I know that they're doing their best in very difficult circumstances but there, there's no justification now when the cases are so low, when society is reopening and when so much vaccination is taking place. It's too important uh, and too many women uh, have had to suffer. Um, too many women are, are going through labour loan uh, and and too many partners are are being stopped and being able to offer them the support that they need that will that will help the birth and will help uh, the baby in the end. And how is Emer? <laughs> It was okay, yeah. Um, look, it's a, I suppose I know it's a high-risk pregnancy, so we're mm-hmm. being seen often um, and we're getting very good care, I have to say, but Emer's good, yeah, and I suppose we're expecting now in about seven weeks. So, um, look, yeah, all is going well, thankfully. Okay. And I'm very glad that, you know, when we were worried that time that it, it didn't turn out to be worse and I'm relieved. And I suppose the reason I got emotional mm-hmm. isn't necessarily what happened on that occasion. It's the thoughts of if something had happened and what that experience would have been like and what that experience was like for other people. Because, look, I know I've used my voice here. It's got a higher profile. It's got a bigger audience. Mm. But I'm not special. We're not special, you know. We're the same as anyone else. And I want everyone to have this right and entitlement. I want every mother to have this right and entitlement. But I suppose I felt an obligation, if it could help this campaign, to, to use this opportunity to to try and keep the pressure on and keep the momentum on. And I know this will change at some stage, but, you know, I, I just hope it's not too long and that, you know, the fewer women and partners who have to experience this, the better. 
I know, like we've spoken to so many women who have gone through those traumas of, you know, losing a baby or, you know, having a very complicated pregnancy and not having their partner by the, their side. And it's just heartbreaking to listen to their stories and to think that this is happening in our hospitals now. And I know that there are the concerns around public health, but, you know, if somebody is living with somebody, you can't, I can't really understand why they can't go into the hospital with them then as well, do you know? Exactly, yeah. Like, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, in the vast majority of cases, people, you know, offer the same COVID risk. And now, as I say, it's in a con- context where everyone is vaccinated. And look, mine is very, very far, and Emer's is, we're very, very far from the, the worst story or the, the, mm. the most difficult story that has arisen. Um, you know, there has been, like, many women would have received the, you know, the most heartbreaking news on their own because. You know, sometimes maybe you might be have an appointment that's coming up, and you may have might have a sense that you know it could be a very serious appointment. But sometimes you can just go in for a routine scan, or sometimes you can go in for a routine appointment and get terrible news. You know, uh, and it's earth shattering. And you know, like I mean, look, there's still something of a. Unfortunately, maybe it's being broken down a bit now, but there's a bit of a taboo about talking sometimes about um, miscarriage. But, like, I mean, it is it, it is common um, and it can arise at any stage in the pregnancy and it can happen, you know, and you can learn about it, um, you know, at an appointment where you're not expecting to. And if you're on your own and then your your partner's in the car park, like, I mean, that's not, that's not how it should be. Um, so you need, I believe the partner needs to be there, but there's also during labour and after labour, like, I mean, some of this is practical. Like, mm. this isn't just about emotional support. So a woman's been through a labour for many, many hours and, you know, the baby's born and everyone's happy yeah. and all the rest of it. The mother is exhausted, you know, and they want Absolutely. to have a shower and they want to have a rest. And I know the nurses and midwives will do their best to facilitate that, but they're run from pillar to post at the minute, like, you know. Mm. So... You know, if a partner's there, that mother can go for a rest, they can go for a shower, they can go to the bathroom without having to ring the bell. Like, you know, the partner is yeah. there to, to keep an eye on the baby. And, you know, it's it's really important that the mother can recuperate. Um, and when, if the partner has to go an hour after the baby's born, like, then your ability to recuperate is, you know, it is diminished. Even though I know the nurses midwives are doing their best, but like they have an awful lot to be doing um, and it's very difficult for them to meet all those needs. It is awesome. Um, Donica, can I just ask you as well, um, just in, with regards to the Leaving Cert results, we found out yesterday that they're going to be uh, released on September 3rd, which is not giving students a lot of time to accept a college place. What's your own reaction to that? Yeah, look, I, uh, I'm disappointed, to be honest, as I repeated last year. Um, it's very stressful, you know, like, I mean, the written exams are starting next week and for students to have to be dealing with this is very worrying. I am hopeful and I'm going to be speaking for the Minister today to clarify whether this has been lined up to the CAO. I expect that when they announced this, they had done some work in ensuring with the CAO and the universities that that would work, but it probably means the third-level courses are starting late. But I suppose the people I'd be worried about and what we really need solutions to are people who are either studying in the North, in Britain or in Europe where, you know, we don't have as much access to those universities. People might have place in, I don't know, the Sorbonne or London or St. Andrews or wherever it is or maybe in the United States. And those university years might be starting on the 5th or 6th or 7th of September and uh, they'll be worried about those places now. So, like, I think this should have been avoided. We have had a proposal 
and a solution to the even sort difficulties this year on the table for a long time. Um, so I don't know why this is taking so long. But, you know, I suppose my focus now is on solutions and they're the categories I'm most worried about. I expect that this will probably mean that the college year will start later. Um, but, you know, these are the answers we're going to be looking for. I really regret, though, that it's happening at a time when students are very, very stressed. But, look, I mean, I suppose if I can offer reassurance, it's that I and everyone else involved in education in Leinster House is going to be working on solutions and I hope that we can find them. Uh, and I, I suppose I take the opportunity to wish all leaving students students the best of luck next year or next week and the following week because uh, they've had a really difficult year but they've borne it with great dignity and commitment uh, and uh, look I hope it goes well for all of them. Yeah, like a Cork mother has been in touch with us here on the opinion line and she has said that uh, this year's leaving certs were last year's fifth years. Their education was neglected last year, understandably to an extent, to make sure the leaving certs of 2020 got their exams. Now with a week to go to the leaving cert, they learn their results are delayed and the government had a whole year with experience to prevent this happening. We know this makes for problems with particularly getting accommodation, but many other problems too. This is a mental health issue the government could have dealt with easily. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I don't understand why. Look, we're looking for explanations from the department as to why this happened. Is I find it very hard to justify. Um, I, you know, they had plenty of time. They knew what the solutions were. They experienced from last year, and you know, I have to say, the teachers and the schools kept up their end of the bargain and delivered on time. So this is with the department, and it is an ad- adding to the stress. But like, I'm going to be working to try and find solutions, and I hope that we can find them. Especially, like as I say, I. I believe we can find solutions for those studying here. Uh, it's people studying in other places. There's still a bit of work in that too, mm. of course, but it's in other places uh, that we need to resolve as well. Dodigan, um, thanks very much for joining us. On I the might, might, yes, yeah, sorry. Just on another story there. Look, I mean, I, I know you're going to be talking there about the, the docs and the congregation of people yeah. and things like that at this point. Like, I, I, I do think, and I, I raised this point with uh, the Tanj to... Uh, and who's the Minister for Enterprise. Like, I think at this point, when you look at the pros that were gathering last year, I think it would probably be sensible at this stage to, you know, there's no public health reason not to to move the opening of outdoor dining from Monday to Friday because Mm. then you're dispersing the crowds into a variety of smaller locations and I don't think you'll have the large gatherings like that. There's, like, I I even, somebody who has support public health restrictions, but, you know, at this point in time, four days is going to make a difference. If anything, it will probably help make it easier to manage in my view. Okay, brilliant. Listen, thanks so much for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning. Quartz 96 FM.